G'day and welcome to the Project's podcast. This is the podcast full of wonderful people who co-work at The Project, which is a wonderful space in central Brighton. It's based on Ship Street, so whenever you're around, please check us out. Hello, Alex. Hi, Jess. Anything exciting going on at The Project generally at the moment? What, what sort of things and what's the news? We have our first ever Holler Brewery slash the project's games night so that's really exciting too slash is a slightly unfortunate word to use when talking about breweries perhaps um so why don't we say no let's just keep it at that so we're all going to get slashed um <laughs> next week uh, at this fantastic thing that you put together with Hollow Brewery. yeah we're really excited about it and it's this is games good. night so mm-hmm. when when you say games what do you mean Oh, Beth is games master, so she's come up with a whole host of different activities. And they're not your usual kind of board game type activities. They're going to be really fun. Board games can be great. What are you talking about? Board games can be great. I'm champion of Monopoly, you know. For large groups, are you always the banker? I can imagine that you're the banker. No, no, I'm I'm always the winner. Ah, you can be the winner and the banker. No, I don't care. I don't really want to be banker. I want to piss the bank off. I see. I just want to raid the bank. Do you steal from the bank? Well, sort of, but via the other players. Take the odd 500. No, it's more via the other players, actually. I tend to to work on Connery. It's always good. Yes, I am very, very good at winning Monopoly. Do you not remind people when they go past go to collect their 200? I'm not a cheat. I just, I just, I'm just hardcore. I'm just hardcore. Oh, no, 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 I don't, I'm not kind in the slightest. <gasps> I'm, I'm just hardcore Monopoly This is player. why we're not playing Monopoly oh, at good. the games now. All right, then. Because I can accept it just about. Because people are so savage when it comes to Monopoly, uh, me included. Yes, I am. I'm dreadful. It's, yeah. the only, it's the only pastime of mine where I am totally evil. It brings out the worst in all of us, I think. But thank goodness it doesn't, well, thank goodness for the world, but not so much for me, maybe, that it doesn't extend to real life. At all. Um, so proper games. Yes. Yeah, so by Beth, the ga- gamesmeister. Golf. I'm reading it off the poster here. Yes. Golf ball bowling. Yes. Origami. Rama. I don't know if I'm reading this right. Shadow puppet parades. Water balloon toss and giant hangman. Giant hangman. Yeah, that sounds great. So we're going to hang a giant. <laughs> How fantastic. I haven't played hangman in years. No, have I. I can't even remember how to play most games. It's wonderful. It it's sounds really fun. loopy. Yeah. It's sort of, you know, the sort of thing you kind of expect around here. Yeah. But I'm really looking forward to it. Good. It would be fabulous. Good. And uh, so it's a slash holler slash game slash brewery slash someone's not got their keys slash <laughs> thing. That we're going to be going to. Yes. Oh, well, wonderful. Yeah. Well, I think that's probably enough to be getting on with. Otherwise, we'll all become very overfaced and wonderful things to do. I'll stop there. I think you should stop there right now. We've also got the extraordinary Stephen van der Pevert. Talk oh. about Dark Horse. Do you know anything about Stephen van der Pevert? Stephen does stuff with brains. That's what I know. Yeah, he kind of does. Yeah. <laughs> well, he works within a business that does stuff with brains. In fact, what it does is it does stuff with the data that brains produce on cardiograms. It seems to me from talking to you and looking at what you've done, you want to change the world, really. If anybody sure, wants yeah. to change the world, you do. <laughs> yeah, um, And explain a little bit more about how 
you want to change the world. It does get me out of bed in the morning to be able to do something meaningful with well the skills that I just happen to have acquired over over the years. Throughout my education, I spend a lot of time, yeah, a lot of time using technology to answer medically related questions, and I then was working with a lot of clinicians as well uh, and. So I have I wasn't personally seeing patients uh, with neurological disease, but I but the, but the clinicians that I, sp- I spoke to a lot, the idea that I got from interacting with them is that uh, technology is being used in a research setting to get more information on yeah on on, on patients and to get new uh, and get new innovations to mm. the patients ultimately, but it's not being implemented or being used by the clinicians at hand. There's a bit, a bit of a mismatch, if you see what I mean. Mm. So in research setting, we have cutting edge stuff. We have the best scanners, we have everything. Uh, we can get really beautiful MRI scans, but then clinicians themselves, they use quite bare bones, if you will, uh, uh, simple simple tools that have been established for quite, quite a number of years. So there's that potential that technology has to to, to really help uh, help the patients. How far do you feel that, let's say in the last 10 years, mm. uh, this particular area of neuroscience has come? Oh, and, wow. And, and how far does it feel it needs to go for there to be a significant change? Yeah. Yeah, very good question. Well, first MRI scans were early 90s so that oh, is right. what is that 30 years ago wow, that's not and right. then it was early maybe late 80s but the, the real that you can actually use in 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 to actually use in clinical practice for for proper uh, diagnosis and monitoring the quality is only now getting to a standard that we're able to to quantify things yeah um and then some of the technologies we have is fairly easy uh Easy. I'm, I'm being very disrespectful to the actual developers, but <laughs> fairly straight, uh, fairly straightforward uh, image analysis yeah. type, uh, type, type, uh, yeah, analyses. Um, but we also have for for uh, CT, for CT scans, for traumatic brain injury, we have deep learning things. So that technology didn't exist. What is that? Five years ago. Mm. So um, if you ask how how far we've come in the last ten years, well, we've come very, very, yeah, we've come very far. Um, it's worth worth emphasizing though that yes we use artificial intelligence and and there is in, in radiology specifically there there is a, a lot of buzz uh, around that and, and radiologists are very very excited about this and some are, some are not excited about it so there is a but it's it's the the, the big thing but I would, what I'd like to emphasize is that um, we use artificial intelligence to come up with these uh, to, to yeah, generate these metrics for neurologists and artificial intelligence is just a tool it's not a means to an end we don't we're not an ai company that uses ai yeah we ha- we happen to use it but if we could do it in another way we would do it in another way cool so the the, the, the key good to hear. yeah yeah the key thing is to to come up with these uh, yeah objective measure uh, yeah metrics that a neurologist can use so that means that the the error of your measurement needs to be very small 
because uh, the example that we talked about earlier, the um, the shrinkage of the brain, mm. if there's a 1% shrinkage per year and your uh, your technology has an error of measurement of 1%, mm. then you could scan someone uh, year one and year two, but then you don't know if the shrinkage is due to your error of measurement or if it's due to the disease. Cool. So in all technologies around 0.1%. So um, yeah, so my point is AI, yes, uh, yes, we use it, but again, it's it's down to what can we do, what uh, what can we do for the patient and a neurologist that is clinically meaningful. So your company's based in Belgium. Yes. Um, you're based now in Brighton. You're mm -hmm. quite new to Brighton. Yep, two months. Um, what first of all do you like about being in Brighton? Ah, Brighton. Oh. Uh, what what don't I like about being in Brighton? <laughs> it's amazing. I uh, used to live in London before. Uh, yes, where I did my PhD and uh, yeah, and then ended up working, doing yeah, working in a, a co-working space yeah in Croydon. Mm -hmm. um, and my wife works just north of here, Burgess Hill. Okay. Uh, yeah, so for us it was either staying in Croydon for the summer or moving down to Brighton for the summer. So we decided to to indeed move down here. It was um, yeah, it's kind of a no-brainer. It has it, it's like a mini London in terms of vibe. Although, in, in terms of people being slightly, you have a big LGBT, LGBTQ community, um, which is really cool. You have people can really be who they want to be, which I, which I like a lot. But then you also have, obviously, the beach and the, and the sea, and then you have the downs really nearby. Everything is cyclable, which I like, because well, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, Dutch, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, exactly. no, it's, and, and then it's easy to, to get into London and, and get to Gatwick to, to travel. Yeah. What do you like about the projects being here? I, li I like specifically, well, A, the community is really nice. There are a lot of different events going on yeah. um, that you can tag along. There's the breakfast, uh, for instance, this morning. Uh, there, there there's a coffee every so often, just networking. Um, the, the beach walks being organized. Um, and and, and I, I appreciate that because well, having just moved down from, from, uh, from London, I don't I know, a couple of I know a couple of people, but it's, it's a good way to just yeah, I get to have chats with yeah, people, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but then also what I appreciate is, well, the, the way it looks, it's 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 just, it's really homely, it feels almost. But then also worky, I don't know, it's a weird, weird thing to, uh, weird way to describe it. But then the different levels, I appreciate that as well. I don't know if, yeah. Uh, if you, because yeah. you have, I, I mostly work at the top floor where I just sit with my headphones on and just being in the zone. Yeah. But if I need to have, if I would like to just have a bit more casual day, I just move down one floor and it can, it's a bit more. It, it's really fit. good. Yeah. And in fact, I sort of discovered that actually having those sort of levels and particularly the open spaces are actually really very, very good. Yeah. What is quite interesting is the structure mm. because it is an old building. Mm. A two, but, two old merged buildings. Yeah, two exactly. Buildings, yeah. Exactly. And, and, and what's interesting is the way that they've, the architects and the developers have actually um, taken it on. Mm almost sort of gleefully you feel because it, it it's it's very unusual to have a space that hasn't been structured can't be structurally changed yeah yeah because um, in other in certain other um, workspaces I've been in there's been an effort to sort of change the space hmm. here the space hasn't really been changed what they've done is they use the space they've got in a very imaginative way yeah absolutely which seems to work really well because I think what they're saying is this is a habitable place anyway because it was a house or it was a mm. it was a place of 
whatever it was before. I mean, it was it was some sort of residence at some point. Mm. It was sitting next to the fireplace. Well, it, well exactly. And and the feeling that you're in a place which we belong, mm. because that's exactly yeah. what it was built for yeah. in the first place. It's a good way of putting it's it. It's a really cool thing. What, what's your feeling now? Because presumably you enjoy what you do. Mm. Um, it's a compelling job. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you like where you are. What do you, where do you want to go with this? So I'm now in charge of a like a new initiative within my company, cool. which is for patients. So the history behind that is that we, so we provide this image analysis solution for 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 radiologists, neurologists, and pharma. Yeah. But we often receive emails from patients saying, "I've received this CD or a link with my scan." Could I send it to you? And could you give me one of those reports? Oh wow! So that sort of started the ball rolling, and we've now developed. A, a, we are now, yeah, have developed and are developing a, 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 a platform, a patient portal, where patients can indeed register and then upload their scan to get information on it. Uh, and, wow! And it'll, it'll, it's now being developed into a phone application as well, where they can keep track of their disease. Because as you can imagine, um, a patient sees their neurologist for twenty minutes per year. So I, I barely remember what I ate last week, right? Yeah. So imagine someone with, with a neurological disease that has to remember a symptom that they've had last September. Yeah. So that is virtually, yeah, well, not impossible, but it's very difficult to do. So we provide a way for them to keep track of their symptoms and uh, yeah, and for, for them to, uh, to, to upload their scan, to get information on the scan. We purposely are not providing, or we're, we're discuss, uh, discussing it, but we're not at the moment providing a way for patients to, to get the, the, the information on the, the actual pathology in the brain, but more information on what is an MRI scan, and is this MRI scan of good quality, why is it important to have a good quality MRI yeah. scan. Um, and, and just education around it because there is a big need for MS patients to, to get more information on on, yeah. uh, on, on their disease and on, on the information that's gathered around it. Sounds very compelling, sounds mm. a challenge because of what you've got, how you've got to communicate it. Mm. Um, sounds extremely exciting. Absolutely. Um, the scientists being educated, I mean it's just an amazing sort of learning process for mm. everyone. I guess that's one of the things about science generally. Well, let's have a, let's have a kind of Voyage of Discovery. I send out a love on the podcast to find more medtech people. Yeah, or people in, in just in the space of, of neurology and, and, and have people with multiple sclerosis. I mean, yeah. anyone that's roughly linked would love to have a chat. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you.
That was the extraordinary Sonia Budner from the album Inseparable. That track was called Wake Up. You can currently find that on Bandcamp. And uh, although Sonia is currently in Montenegro, where she resides from time to time, she will be back in Brighton within the next couple of months. And for those who are interested, as I'm sure you are, I will keep you posted. Another track from her later on in the podcast. We've also got... The extraordinary Jen. Jen LaRue. Do you know what she does? The one and only Jen LaRue. Like a proper pop star. She is so cool. And did you know, her name is soon to be changed <gasps> to Jennifer J-Lo. Jennifer J-Lo. So she's been LaRue. She's and been she's Because LaRue's be... not in anymore. And LaRue's kind of... But J-Lo is perennial. She's done that. She got the t-shirt. Now she's going to be Jennifer J-Lo. Jennifer J-Lo. That's pretty cool. I'm Jennifer LaRue. I'm a freelance writer and content specialist and also the founder of Thrive. That's Freelance Tribe Thrive, a freelance collective platform that helps resolve isolation for freelancers. And I have many other entrepreneurial projects on the go as well. Entrepreneur, that's a funny word, isn't it? Yes. It's a word that's sort of bandied about. <laughs> I think in Bradford, in Bradford, we're not in Bradford, we're in Brighton. That's uh, some other day. Um, <laughs> some year. Um, so in Brighton, we kind of have a slightly different sort of approach, don't we, to so say entrepreneurship, I think, yeah. don't we? Um, uh, I think we kind of go with the flow a bit, don't we, generally? Yeah, I think so. I think we're very open and um, happy to adapt and move along the way. And do you comes... think that helps you in what you do? Yeah, I think so. I mean, as an individual, um, I have adult ADHD, so I am someone that likes to flit and flow and go with what I feel passionate about. Um, a lot of misperception around the subject is actually I also have a lot of consistency, um, kind of fierce loyalty, 
um, and I, when, I, when I tap into something, when I decide I'm going to do something, I do it to, till, till death do us part. Marvellous. So, you're, so you say, is that, is that something you just take as given, or is it something you would actually put on your, on your, um, uh, your marketing spiel? Would you actually use it as a kind of um, weapon of uh, choice? to say I am devoted and dedicated and absolutely super duper or I'll be honest or would you say well actually it's a given I kind of expect other people as well um, I've learned not to expect the same from other people actually um, I am extremely honest with my clients and often win clients on the back of my um, kind of Persistent, honestly, is persistent the right word? If you want, um, it certainly can be used in this yeah, context. I tend to make words up as well. No, um, but because I'm so authentic and I'm so honest, and I will say the thing that maybe would be uncomfortable to say, um, that's often my clients work with me. But the way I see it, when I was in employment, I wasn't able to say a lot of those things. I mean, I did anyway, but <laughs> I wasn't able to say a lot of the things I wanted to say. So as a freelancer, to me, that gives me the confidence and independence to just say what needs to be said um, around what they're doing. So I had a client recently call me, for instance, and they reeled on for about half an hour about, about why they're ringing me and what they need. And then I paused and I thought, okay, so we could go two weeks here. I say, yes, take it on and do the work, but it's not going to deliver anything, or I just tell them the truth, so I did. And I just said, well, first of all, everything you've said is not what you need. You need something completely different. And what you've sent me as an example is actually awful, so please don't do that. And I was the only writer that he met out of about 10 that he phone that day because he loved it. He was like, thank you so much. That's what I need. I need educating. I need someone to tell me. So yeah, I'm very fiercely honest and fiercely authentic. Well, it's quite interesting, isn't it? I think we all do this, oh, well, we say we all, and people are involved in the sort of things that you and I are involved in, which is effectively showing people how to um, communicate. Yeah. Um, and uh, some of the time doing it for them, and other time sort of guiding them, giving them sort of advice on how to do it. Uh, you do have to be a little bit kind of um, frank. Yeah. A lot of the time, don't you? It's, it's even though it's obviously that it's tact, I wouldn't do it out of nowhere. <laughs> but I'm not going to get someone to pay me to do something the way I think I should do it if the results aren't going to be there because then they're going to, oh, it didn't work. Uh, have you ever been in a situation where you've actually learned from your, uh, from your fiercer side? So, in other words, you've kind of not so much reined it, but you've kind of learned that maybe actually there's a different tack and that different tack. It's just as effective, just as powerful, but it's a different one. Yeah, and that's what I call outsourcing. <laughs> <laughs> so I've learned. I think once you birth a child, you just lose all of that um, ability to refrain from saying anything. I don't know what it is. It might be start, I don't know if it's physical or psychological. But I seem to not be able to do that anymore. I can't be a monkey. I can't do as I'm told if it doesn't make sense. I can't do something that I don't think is a good idea for a client, even if it means I get a happier life out of it. I can't do it. So I'm now learning to outsource all of those things. And if it's someone that's particularly stressful with their feedback, then I will outsource that feedback. And if it's a client that really just wants low-level content, nothing decent, nothing high-quality or opinionated, then I'll give that to someone else. Um, which is interesting, which begs the question, so now you think, right, okay, I'm going to outsource it. And it comes back and let's say it's crap, because this is something that I experienced when someone rang me and she said, I just need to talk to someone because someone's sort of uh, delivered a crap edit. And has that happened to you? Have you been in a situation where... No, um, because first of all, it comes through me anyway. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a, a pretty shit hot editor, if I say so myself. But also, I overset, I overdo everything. Everything I've done for the client already or anything I did before is too much for them anyway. 
Um, it sounds like I'm tooting my own horn, but it's true, and I have a particular agency that stopped using me because it just made the rest of them look really bad. I can't help it. It's, but I don't know whether it's the ADHD side, but I want that when I want to do something, I want to do it really, really, really well. So I full on go in and I've got all these research points and I've got quotes and I've even, even been proactive and got someone to talk about it and all this stuff. So then every other blog looks really plain and boring next to it. So because I do that, when I get someone else to do it, I'm, I'm great at giving them a brief and then I'm great at editing and turning it into something good. Or recruitment itself, I used to work in recruitment, so spotting the right people and giving the right people the work. Yeah. So I know the freelancers I work with and when I get a piece in. So we're writing about top spies in fiction at the moment. Oh, right. And I immediately knew who to give that to, yeah. which is my partner, Josh. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I know who's going to write that and it's a colloquial client, so I'm gonna, I'll give them that. So it's spotting the right people to work with and working with those people. And, I'm totally interested, but at the moment, as it happens, uh, in the freelance venture or movement yeah. or whatever you want to call it uh, um, that you've set up, um, uh, just talk about that for the moment, um, and, and then I'll uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have a little chat about what's actually happening this week. Yes. So the freelance collective um, movement is happening now, um, in my opinion, uh, which I'm coining the Starling effect. Um, and I'll be releasing a report with um, a few key partners on that subject um, later this year. Um, Fribe itself was born from my own kind of feelings of isolation and people coming to me and saying, oh, but I won't have a regular wage if I go freelance and what do I do about sick pay and maternity? And there's all this repeated stuff we say, um, I need that sense of a belonging, I need all this stuff. So I, I kind of wanted to resolve all of those things in one place. So when it first came, to, came about, it was very much a full ecosystem. I was even thinking of creating my own Fribe environment physically. And then I met with a potential investor who basically helped me to really bring that back down and say, no, let's just focus on one thing. Um, so at the moment, it's, it's a manually built tech. It's literally the ability to showcase yourself, which I've discovered is actually a process, not just an upload. Mm. I've realised sitting with people in my freelance clinics that I run, that not everyone knows how to sell themselves. And I thought they could just fill in the gaps, but it turns out no one knows what their niche is, what their nuances are, what their strengths are, what, how best to pitch themselves to a client. No one knows that. So now I'm running these clinics to help people create their profiles. It's actually an entire process, which is great. So I'm glad I'm doing them manually because as I'm going along, I'm learning how does a VA showcase their work? How does a paid ad person showcase their work? We're all different, right? We can't all embed our articles because we're not all writers. Indeed. Sweet northern girl, it's embedded in your face, sweet northern girl. Yes, I've stayed at your place, North Country girl. Oh, North Country girl, sending daggers through my heart, sweet northern girl. With a story still to start, North Country girl. Through your words, your heritage, your source Though your accent disguised is no lost cause I've seen you in your pose, your gracefulity It's maybe taken to eternity when you're talking with me 
see um people don't care much anymore to for for, for um trying to do like like for like so uh, a uh, large organization um more and more now i think would rather work with people who just get the job done yeah um as opposed to trying to find this so say chemistry uh, which is frankly a lot of money um down the drain because you just spend a lot of money just working on that effing chemistry and not just getting getting things done yeah particularly in these days where you can run through things run through things and run run them again and actually deliver executable executed stuff yeah. um relatively quickly you know this kind of you can get through the churn as it were as opposed to taking so long to prepare everything and plan everything and set up phone calls and all this kind of stuff yeah so uh, that's the beautiful thing about the digital world um so from your point of view presumably that helps you a lot because and it and it also helps your state of mind because presumably you can constantly be on it yeah. and, and 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 help people and satisfy them and you know deliver for them well um, um kinder ah, is my answer to that uh-huh. um this whole attitude from the client side is actually a problem too so in the future my plan is to have uh, approved brands only access the platform mm-hmm. and they have to adhere to respecting our boundaries um, and only working with freelancers that are matched to their way of working because actually my experience has been um that i've been transparent and I've told them that I'm a night owl, I don't do morning meetings, or I don't go to London, or whatever it is I've said. Mm. And then as the contract goes on, they switch marketing people, they suddenly try and call me at 7am every Monday, and I'm like, I don't do that. And they just don't respect my boundaries. Um, and in the time of recruitment, that used to be like a candidate-led market, then it was a, a, a client base that's similar mm. to this, there is going to be a switch. I mean, the prediction was that 50% of the workforce would be self-employed by 2020. Well, we're kind of there now, right? Mm, mm, yeah. um, this kind of, just get on with it, make the deadlines, it's great and everything, but they're putting all this care, I'm not necessarily doing it well, but we're thinking about HR and well-being in the workplace and all of these things, but if half of their employees are freelance, yeah. what about them? Yeah, 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 Where's yeah, their yeah. support? Yeah. Where's their rights? Yeah. Where's their well-being support? Nothing. Mm, so mm. it needs to change. 
So a lot of this stuff I'll be writing about in the freelance collective movement is about how it's important that, that brands start to invest more in freelancers. And yeah, they can do that, they can work with an agency, but they're going to have inconsistency because there'll be different freelancers working with them and there will be turnover and all these other things. Whereas if they actually find the right freelancers or the right collective, then they can have consistency of work, more authenticity behind what they're producing. Um, but there's this kind of cast aside feeling like the way you used to be when you were a temp of yeah, like, yeah. yeah, anyone would do. But it's not true. No. A lot of the clients I work on, I'm the only one that does it the way I do it. So if yeah, they get yeah, rid of, of me, they're a bit screwed, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they certainly won't get another gen. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> no, they can try. But, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I'm, I'm a bit frustrated with that. And it's, it's approaching the subject sensitively because I do love, I've got, I know, I have friends that work with agencies and stuff like that. It's just to me, anything that is staged that isn't being what it is on the front is not fit for purpose. It's not going to last. Mm. So don't pretend you're an agency if you're not an agency. Mm. It's fine if you are, but if all you're doing is running freelancers, be like showcase them, talk about them, yeah, yeah. like show your people. It's all about humans and stories and authenticity across the board. And I know there are big corporates that just want the shit done when they want it done, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we can do that with a collective because you can have a leader that they rely on and that person's the one that brings the work on and they know that that leader is going to make sure they've got freelancers. But why can't we be honest about it? Why do we have to pretend to be an agency? Well, absolutely. So we've got National Freelancers Day coming up. We have, and I'm running an event. So what are you doing? Come on, come on talk us through it. I did my first freelance clinic a month or so ago. Um, and I basically, I've, I've, I've done clinics before where I was doing like self sessions, work on yourself, and no one turned up. As soon as I made it how to get more work together, suddenly it was a full house. Of course. Um, so this is the first clinic and, and we had uh, around 10 people there and we all sat there and I basically helped them to uncover their imposter syndrome or the things they struggle with. And by the end of the session, they feel more confident about their proposition as a freelancer. Mm. They build a fried profile while they're there. Um, and this time I've invited along John Ashton, who is the founder of WriteArm, which is a writing agency. It's been going for seven years now. Cool. He's launching a new freelance community. He's coming along um, and we're basically, you're going to get together, do a similar session, but with more about LinkedIn and kind of how to network, how to get more work. Basically, I'm a serial person in terms of getting work, but then I've got too much work. So I'm outsourcing, but I also want to meet more freelancers and help them get work too. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's going to be great. Can't wait. Right Fant see. Fantastic. So where is it? It's at Loading Cafe, aka Seaside Quest. Yeah. Opposite the pier. Um, yeah. Eleven till two, and then optional co-working till five. Wow, fabulous. Well, there's a lot going on. There's a lot there going is. on in Jen's life. Um, <laughs> and and is this all you do? Is no, this no, all you no. do? This, so this kind of the there's whole kind of generating stuff, or do are you are you, are you writing a book about? Uh, people who used to be mermaids. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? What's, what's, your, what, what's your thing? I've got several sitcom ideas in the making and apparently I've connected at least 100 producers on LinkedIn that I haven't quite got around to. Do One it. of them's around the modern workplace, kind of um, nothing to do with projects, by the way, to do with another co-working space. Why no, you'll see why in a minute. Um, it's a take the piss of the modern workplace and all this glitter, glitter box is what it's called. Um, a kind of a modern workplace kind of piece where everyone's actually not really self-employed but even though they legally are. Yeah. Um, it's quite a take on that. That's one of my other things I want to do. I run a music education magazine, which has been hiatus. I'm just recruiting a new team for that, and that encourages sustainable careers in music. Fab. And I'm launching Brave Butterfly with Sophie Turton, which helps women go freelance and inspires them to take flight. Wow. Wow. 
It's a lot. So that's another sort of projects thing, sort yeah. of generated out of the love of projects. That is fantastic. <laughs> Blimey. So portfolio <laughs> movements. Yeah. We've gone they all have one thing in common. It is about things. careers, progressing, mm. confidence, mm. inspiring people to do what they love. Sounds extraordinary. Well, you would kind of so much that's going to be so difficult to edit, um, but I'll do it. I'll do it. Maybe we'll take, we'll do several shows out of it and uh, we'll just do one by one and yeah. we can just have the general release show. Is it true you're changing your surname? Well, my legal rumor? surname is Leroux, yeah. um, but I am, I'm now legally divorced. Um, so, South Africa, next husband. Yeah. That's really cool. yeah. um, my new partner, I'm not having a surname. No. Like, no. no. I'm not going to be Jennifer Humphrey. No. Um, my mother's maiden name was Lowe and my middle name's Joanne, so it might be Jennifer J. Lowe. That's great. Yeah. We're loving that. Because LaRue's a bit out of fashion now. Um, so <laughs> go to J. Lowe, who will perennially, perennially, sorry, be in fashion forever. Yeah. J. Lowe, totally, and forever. So that's very good. LaRue, upstart, J. Lowe, forever. <laughs> like it. Very good. Well, it's been beautiful to chat to you. Thank you. Thank you.
So there you go, that's your lot for this time round. Um, I'd like to thank my beautiful guests, the fabulous Jen, soon to be J-Lo, Nay LaRue, and Stephen van der Pavert, as well, of course, as the fantastic Alex from The Projects. Music today uh, has been by me old muckers, the fantastic Mick, who you can find at mick.world, and Sanya Budner, who you can find on Bandcamp. Thank you all for listening and I'll see you again next time. ta up.